Your beliefs are not facts. This is all about the beliefs that we all carry around with us. They make up who we think we are, what we are, what we're capable of, what we're not capable of. These beliefs are formed throughout our lives, particularly in early years. And as we get older, they can become rules that we live our lives by. And very often these beliefs hold us back. They're not helpful. They make life, communication, relationships, work more challenging. And the big learning is that these beliefs are not facts. They are just that, beliefs, and can be challenged and changed. Maybe a parent or a carer said to you something like, you're not very confident, are you? And here you are at 35, whatever age you are, believing you're not ever going to be confident because that's how you are. Or something like, you're not very creative, was said to you. Lots of us had that if we weren't very good at drawing figure drawings when we were at primary school. And as a result, you never think of yourself as creative, even though this means so many different things. It's not about being able to completely correctly draw a bowl of fruit. Creativity comes out in all sorts of different forms. And even though we know that, we remember that comment when we were so very small. And, you know, maybe they got it wrong. Maybe they didn't mean it. They didn't mean for what they said to remain with you for the rest of your life. Some of us were told things like, you are clumsy. It might have been a one-off. And as a result, you always see yourself as clumsy, messy, inelegant. Or a statement like, oh, you're a bit glass half empty. And then you take it on board and you think this is how I am. I'm never capable of seeing the positive in anything. Poor me, life's hard, that's how I'm made. Then, you know, there's all these sort of sayings that we have in families or in educational establishments, things that we hear as kids, like asking for something is rude, impolite, desperate even. And, you know, these sort of statements can really present all sorts of challenges and beliefs as you get older. Or it might have been something like, oh, we don't complain. Always be grateful for everything. Never speak out if you're not happy. Any of these sound familiar? You might have some of your own that are starting to appear in your mind and, and are starting to remind you that actually, yes, we all have these things that happen to us. And it's not just when we're very small. It can continue as we get older. There might be a formative boss that we had that said something and therefore we've taken it as a fact and it's created a belief that's governed the way with that we behave and live our lives. Sometimes it might not even be that something was said. It could just be some rules around behaviour. Um, in families, some families will be that you just don't speak up about concerns, you just get on with it, that sort of stiff upper lip stuff not congratulating you unless you're top of the class or get the best results and anything else isn't good enough. All of these things really form the way you see the world. 
And, you know, the thing is, most of these adults probably never meant to give you a limiting belief. They didn't realise the impact that their words would have on you and that they might be carried on to adulthood and inform so much of your behaviour, decisions, the way that you live your life. And of course, not every child they said these things to interpreted them in the same way because we all interpret things, filter things differently. It's astonishing how impactful the words of others are, especially in childhood, when we are little sponges generally wanting to fit in or please. And so we don't question things. It does bring home the power of words, doesn't it, and the impact they have, as well as the importance of realising how much we take in and that each one of us take things in differently. In a similar way, you know, we can't just blame the adults. Uh, It would have happened with kids our age at school, our peers. All the messages we picked up, wanting desperately to fit in. And, you know, we would have got messages like, you can only fit in if you're sporty, if you've got the right clothes, if you're pretty, if you're strong, if you're fast. All these spoken and unspoken rules really affect us and can lay down some rules for the rest of our lives. A throwaway comment can shape us for life or until we realise what's happening and start questioning. It might be that you were told that you weren't very popular, that you weren't talented, you couldn't do sport, you weren't good at exercise. All of these things really, really affect the way that we live our lives. And these beliefs become facts that we adopt as our own rules. And there's good news. Coaching really, really helps with this. Just talking about it, realising, having somebody call them out, question, challenge us. You know, the brilliant thing about coaching is that we look at the now what's working well, what's going well for us, what's not. And we look at whether there are any aspects that are holding you back from feeling freer, happier, more at ease, finding a way of being a better communicator, building better relationships, being able to achieve what you'd like, really helps you work out what you want and be really honest about it. Yes, we sometimes look back in coaching at how some of the thoughts, beliefs, behaviours are informed by past years and, and early years. And then we can take this information and ask, how can we change the unhelpful ones? How can we let go of the ones that aren't serving us? It's really quite invigorating being able to find the real you and work out what you want It's a bit like a butterfly emerging from a chrysalis. I cringe a bit when I say that because I sort of see these images very often and it can feel a bit cliched, can't it? But actually, it's a correct one. It really does feel like that. You shed all those expectations that others have of you. That belief system that shaped you into something you didn't feel comfortable in and that really held you back you can start to feel comfortable in your skin, to, you know, really celebrate who you are with less of that inner critic, that inner voice telling you that you're not good enough, that you can't do that, that you shouldn't think like that. 
there are often beliefs that we're not even aware of. But on some delving through coaching conversations, we can find that these rules and reasons why we can't do certain things do exist within us and that actually many of them are simply beliefs and not facts and that they can be changed. Once this has been realised, this can be enough to change our outlook. Just actually realising it, catching ourselves can make a huge difference. Sometimes some tools or techniques are needed to alert us to our default so that we can slowly change the belief because some of them are very, very deeply entrenched. I mean, we've had a lifetime of practising them. Here's an example. Have you ever been told, don't be arrogant, don't be big headed? Well, Ellie was somebody that I was working with. That's not her real name. Um, she'd received some feedback from her team. And these sort of things are things I hear in coaching conversations very often. She was being told that she wasn't vocal enough in team meetings. She didn't speak enough and that um, she was slow or took the back seat in making difficult decisions. And that was really holding things back. She was good at her job and senior management thought she was talented, but that there was something she just needed to step into her confidence. She had potential and they suggested coaching might help her to develop these areas. She agreed. She knew she needed to be more assertive. She knew she needed to be heard and seen. But when she was in meetings, she would think of something to say only to tell herself no one wanted to hear it. Very soon in our first conversation, she shared the fact that empty vessels make the most noise and that you shouldn't speak unless you've got something really useful to say. This was something that a primary school teacher had said to her and this primary school teacher really liked silence and would punish noisy children. When we're small, we take a statement like that at face value, of course, and she'd carried it with her all her life as a measure of whether she should speak out or not. If what she had to say was not 100% correct and useful, she would stop herself. Indeed, if it was 100% correct and useful and she deemed it so, having considered it, by the time she actually came to speak, her inner filter had slowed the process down so it was actually too late to say anything and the conversation had moved on or somebody had already come up with an idea. So we agreed that she would challenge herself to say the first thing that came to mind whenever she was thinking of speaking, as, lo as long, of course, that it was relevant and polite. And this wasn't easy for her because she'd had a lifetime of filtering every thought before opening her mouth and speaking. So she found it very hard to quieten that inner critic telling her not to speak. But with practice, she got used to it and realised that nothing bad happened when she spoke. Indeed, people listened and appreciated her views. Our work wasn't completely done as she still held a belief that what she shared had to be 100% correct and that it reflected badly on her if she got it wrong. This belief can make it very hard when you're talking to someone and they disagree with you because you start feeling rejected, you take it personally and it makes those interactions really difficult and it can lead to rumination, you know, that you spend ages afterwards taking it apart, dissecting it, worrying about it, worrying about the conversation. 
As we unpicked this belief, she came to adopt a mindset that there's no such thing as right and wrong when it comes to generating ideas, and that sometimes the most unusual left-field ideas led to the best outcomes. And we started talking about the, the possibility that if her idea wasn't taken on, she knew that if everyone contributed, they'd get better as a team, would create a better dynamic, and that at least she'd been heard and that she'd contributed. Again, this took quite a bit of time to get used to. She'd had a long time of believing that it was a wrong way of behaving. And she said it actually helped her with her confidence, knowing that just speaking was good and setting aside that worry that took away the enjoyment made an enormous difference. She grew in confidence speaking at meetings. She was happy and freer about contributing her thoughts. She saw that decision-making became easier as well because she had that confidence behind her that she believed that what she was doing was okay and that even if things went wrong, she was doing it in the best spirit, in the spirit of contributing and being part of a team. She realised that her lack of confidence and constant questioning of herself and opinions had made decision-making virtually impossible. She was paralysing herself. And so having this freedom around speaking and contributing ideas made decision-making a lot easier. Another example of something that we might have been told as children is you're showing off. I wonder how many people that resonates with. Were you told this when you were younger? It might have been as a result of getting overexcited or singing, dancing, doing something to get attention. Just something childlike and innocent. It might be that you boasted about something you were good at. As children, we haven't quite realised that people don't like it, have we? You might have got a good grade you were really proud of. Maybe you could run fast or do something better than someone else. Showing off is something many of us are scared of being accused of. And so we make sure we play things down. We play down those skills or talents or knowledge that we have, even if it's hard earned and means we get ignored or overlooked in the workplace. It's important to realise that showing off and keeping quiet are not the only options. Those are two extremes, aren't they? showing off and being in somebody's face and telling everyone too much about all the good things that you can do or the amazing things that you can do on one end and then on the other end of the spectrum being completely quiet and never sharing anything you're good at. There's a middle ground, isn't there? It's possible to confidently speak of one's achievements in an honest way and not come across as arrogant or showy. And if those around you care about you and want you to be happy, then they'll be supportive and they'll applaud you. In the same way, it's reciprocal, you would do that to them. So supporting others when they tell you that it's about an achievement or something they've done well. Having to be self-depreciating at all times can seriously go against you. People believe what they see and hear. That's all we can do, isn't it? And if someone's telling you that they're not very good at something... That is all you have to go by. So think about it at work. If you never tell anyone about any achievements that you've had, then they will think, OK, I don't know about any good stuff they've been doing. There's very rarely time to dig deeper and find out more about people at work. And so if you're being humble, that is what they'll hear and see. 
people simply search for the path of least resistance. And if they're looking for someone who's good at X, for example, then it's likely the person who tells others they're good at X will be the one who's noticed, whether it's actually true or not. So waiting to be discovered through hard work and keeping your head down can work, of course, but it can take a whole lot longer and it's a whole lot more frustrating. So it is worth sometimes being honest about what you've achieved if you can do it in a balanced way. And so challenging that belief that just saying something like that means you're showing off is important. And it's not just about being noticed at work. It can stop you from sharing your true self with others. If you hold back a large part of you, the successful bits, the things that have gone well, where there might have been some challenge, but you overcame them, then others can find it difficult to get to know you. You might be thinking, oh, but no one likes a big head, do they? And yes, many of us have been programmed like this. But if you like someone and you care about them as a friend and they share a success with you, wouldn't you be pleased for them and think it's sad if they felt they couldn't share these things for fear of judgment or being seen as big-headed or showing off? Again, there are nuances here. You can share your successes in certain ways. Telling people incessantly and not being interested in others, not reciprocating, is not advisable. There has to be balance. There has to be give and take and some humility, of course. But have a think. How much do your beliefs around showing off and telling people about your successes really, really rule the way that you behave? Another belief that I often hear is, you know, things like I'm not decisive, I'm not confident enough, I'm not assertive, I'll never be a leader. And these statements come as a result of beliefs that have been long held around, you know, the right to own your space, to be confident, to step into that power. They can be very, very, very entrenched and they can become character traits almost. And when I hear them, these, you know, I do hear it. I'm not a decisive person. I'm not a confident person. I will challenge them as a coach. So often, if you just ask, and if you were decisive, if you were confident, if you were assertive, there's often a very clear idea and response and a light bulb sort of goes on where the person realises, actually, I can be those things if I want to. And of course, if I'm prepared to put some work into it, it can be pretty exciting realising that these beliefs can be thrown out and that we have choices around how we want to be. And that's why coaching is so useful. It's an opportunity to take a moment to ask, is this really me? Are there aspects of this that I can change? What aspects of my thinking is useful? Which less useful? And what can I do? As you're listening to this, you might find that some of it resonates. You might be thinking of other beliefs that you have that are holding you back. Take a moment to consider them. Take a good look. Ask yourself, now where did that come from? Don't attach any blame to it, as this is about you now. Ask yourself, what would I like to do with it? Can I find a different way? Can I challenge it? Can I let it go? Or do I need some time to sit with it and think about it and consider whether it's helpful 
or not and decide what to do with it. You've taken the first step by listening to this and realising that you're carrying some unhelpful beliefs around with you. It will give you the ability now to challenge them and to be more aware. So now ask yourself, what are my options? I'd really love to hear your thoughts on this and whether any of this resonates and if you've got any ideas of how to overcome them. Do get in touch. It's katrinmack at gmail.com and you can see more information about coaching on my website. Thanks for listening. Thank <music> you.